Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. We are officially three and a half hours away from the trade deadline and the Nationals have made arguably the biggest trade in Major League Baseball history and a deal that sent Josh Bell and Juan Soto to the Padres. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast. Amy Jennings here with Tim Leonard. And Tim, this is a crazy day. It happened <laughs> early in the day. Um, just first reactions to this trade. Yeah, I don't even know if that's possible, right? It, everything's <laughs> been moving so quickly to this point, and it's crazy that it's happened. It was right around noon or one today. I think mm -hmm. reports started coming out and saying it seemed sort of imminent that the deal was happening. You figured that if a deal was going to be made, considering the number of players involved, they'd probably get it done well before the deadline later today at 6 p.m., and it looks like they've done that. It looks like Eric Cosmer is not going to be involved in the deal. After all, there was some reports even after that, sort of figuring out who the players are. But the dust has settled here, <laughs> and it's settled as much as it can, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of things to digest here. Losing Juan Soto definitely stinks on a lot of levels. Yeah, definitely. Um, comment along throughout the podcast with your thoughts, of course. But be kind, be nice, because we did not make this trade. <laughs> um, but please comment along throughout the whole podcast. And like Mark Zuckerman tweeted earlier, you kind of you want initial reactions to this trade, but you have to let the dust settle a little bit, bit before we dive into this. But right now, it's looking like the return from the Padres is going to be five players. Eric Hosmer was reported to be in the original deal or in the original offer rather but the Nationals were on his no trade list it was one of 10 teams on that list for him and he will not be going to the Nationals reports coming in now that he will actually be going up to Boston um, so he is not part of that deal but in back in this deal right now the Nationals are getting left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore shortstop CJ Abrams outfielder Robert Hassel outfielder James Wood, and then the right-handed pitcher, the international signing, and Jarlin Susana. So a lot of talent there. This is a really big haul, and I think part of that is because Josh Bell went in this deal. Yeah, and that was a bit of a surprising thing. It became a little more clear as the day progressed that maybe they were going to pair Josh Bell with Juan Soto, but yeah, the haul itself is huge here because when you factor in that Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams are two guys that are MLB ready. They entered the year as two top 10 prospects in all of baseball. They made their major league debuts. And then you also get in this deal, the Padres number one prospect, number three prospect, and number 14 prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. So all five players have high pedigree and two of them are MLB ready, which I think Mike Rizzo has pretty much gone on record and had some clarity on the fact that they needed to get some major league ready players mm -hmm. back in the trade as well. So while they did get a couple high-end prospects, when you look at Robert Hassel, he's the number one prospect for the Padres, number 21 prospect overall in all of baseball, according to MLB Pipeline, at least going into the year, and he's hit very well so far in high A for them. They got some future pieces, but they also get a couple guys that have made their major league debuts as well already, which is nice. Tim, is this something, did you see a package deal? I know, you know, reports kind of came out before this deal was made, but did you see a package deal in Josh Bell and Juan Soto coming kind of like the Nationals did with Trey Turner and Max Scherzer just a year ago? Or is it a surprise and you think that 
possibly they would have been better off not packaging these two guys. I think in a perfect world, I would have liked to see them not be packaged together just because knowing what Trey Mancini netted and the deal that went yesterday for the Orioles, a first baseman who is considered a rental. I know Josh Bell is a rental and it's not like he was going to bring back a haul, but Trey Mancini got two top, top 12 prospects in two separate teams' farm systems. So that's a, a haul that I thought maybe if they separated the two players and you bring Josh Bell in a different trade and waited a little bit longer, maybe you could have gotten some prospects for Josh Bell as well as all the prospects that Juan Soto would have required. And it maybe wasn't a total surprise to me once we realized early in the morning that there were reports that they were pairing them together, but it probably would have been surprising to me if you would have told me maybe a week ago that they would have been paired mm -hmm. together. And honestly, maybe that should have, have been much of a surprise because of what they did last year. It is similar to what they did last year in the Trey Turner and Max Scherzer deal. And clearly Mike Rizzo viewed that if they were putting Josh Bell in the trade, it probably gained them a prospect or two more. And obviously they wanted to get rid of Josh Bell or trade him, mm -hmm. I should say, because he is a rental and he doesn't fit into their long-term plans. And he's having a great season and they have an opportunity right now to sell while he is very high in terms of his production lately yeah exactly I mean I think heading into this deadline Josh Bell was the surest thing to get traded at this deadline I think we pretty much knew Josh Bell was going to go obviously the Juan Soto uh, storyline developed the closer that we got to the deadline but I think it, what's so difficult is you know if you're it, when we're talking about whether they would have gotten more if they went in separate trades it's just so hard because we've never seen a player like Juan Soto before. Obviously, he's right. a generational talent, but we've also never seen a player like that with three postseason runs left of, of team control, two years of team control left. So that's a big part of it. And how do you, you know, really quantify that in prospects? And then, if, but we, we kind of know what you're going to get back in the type of player that Josh Bell is, seeing that he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. We know what Trey, you got for Trey Mancini. So it's really kind of hard to tell yeah. because we've never seen a, a trade like this before ever right and you wonder too if they had waited maybe a little bit longer maybe teams get desperate towards the deadline and then you are able to trade Josh Bell for a little bit more but it seems like the Padres probably gave up a little bit more as well by including Josh Bell in the package I think if they had separated the two deals that would have been an ideal scenario but you also want to make sure that you maximize this trade deadline and trade Josh Bell or else mm -hmm. if you don't trade him then you get nothing in return and he's probably going to walk in free agency so they had to trade Josh Bell it just worked out that the Padres were also interested I think ideally it probably would have been best to separate the two players but you still get a massive haul here yeah exactly and it's you know we're not in that room so it's hard to tell I mean maybe those teams that were in on Josh Bell you know, in these days leading up to the deadline, found their guys, maybe, you know, Astros being yep. one of them in, in trading for Trey Mancini. So it's also possible that all the teams that they were in conversation with about Josh Bell, the Padres obviously excluded, found their guys or, you know, were kind of out of the conversation. So that's a possibility. And obviously you get to 6 p.m. and you don't trade Josh Bell, your biggest trade ship, you're in big trouble. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the Nationals getting five really solid guys, I think headlined, like you mentioned, in Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams because they have both made their major league debuts. Um, Mackenzie Gore is on the 15-day IL right now with some elbow soreness. They said there's no structural damage. They're calling it a low-grade strain. So that's kind of good news. And, you know, he's had some issues. He's had some history of injury issues. Um, but 
a lot of it, he said, is mental, which might be, you know, he said over and over again, so, so most of my issues are mental. So maybe a good thing is, you know, if it's all in his head, he kind of gets a fresh start in a new team, a new organization. Yeah, and he has graduated from the prospect rankings, but mm-hmm. an interesting stat from Fangraphs, because they have calculations for all of this, and they immediately were able to update where the Nationals now slot into their farm system rankings Going into today, they were 24th in their farm system rankings, and we know that the Nationals farm system needed a little bit of a jolt of energy, and this has given them that, according to Fangraphs, they have jumped up to number eight overall in all of baseball in farm system rankings, so 24th to eighth, and if Mackenzie Gore was included and wasn't graduated, they would be fifth. So it's almost a little bit misleading because Gore and Abrams, again, two top 10 prospects going into this year. Gore at one point was viewed as the top pitching prospect in all of baseball. He has dealt with some injury issues, but his numbers overall have been pretty solid since he's made his major league debut this year. Yeah, exactly. A 450 ERA and a 23% strikeout rate over his 70 innings um, this year. And kind of he, he, we mentioned those issues. We mentioned some issues with the mechanics, but he fought his way back and fought his way back to the major leagues. You know, obviously he was good enough to make his debut this year. So I think a little bit ways to go in Mackenzie Gore's development, but you definitely know you know there's some upside there and you kind of can figure out you know what you get along the way and then cj abrams is kind of the opposite of that you know he kind of climbed up through the major leagues rather quickly yeah he's only 21 years old and he's hitting 605 ops right now 232 batting average so far on the season a little bit of a small sample size another guy though that has dealt with some injuries but still is thought of as very high ceiling very high pedigree as a prospect so It's weird because you can't even really identify who is the prize in this. You know, normally in a trade you say, oh, that's the prize prospect. The others are kind of lottery tickets. You can make a case Mackenzie Gore is the prize prospect, but you could also make a case that James Wood and Robert Hassel, outfielders that are right now in low A and high A respectfully, might have a higher ceiling and might be considered more highly sought after in terms of prospect rankings and everything right now. So you're getting really four very high-end prospects and a pitcher as well, so to tie into making it an even bigger haul altogether, it's a big jolt to the farm system. I mean, I think, can't think we, we can't overlook the fact that they go from 24th in those rankings to 8th just by making one trade here. That is a huge jolt to a farm system that really needed it. Right. I mean, Robert Hassel, like you said, you could make a case that he is the prize right. in this trade because after C.J. Abrams graduated from this prospect list, he jumped from third in the Padres system to not now being, the, well, was the number one mm-hmm. uh, overall prospect in the Padres system. He has an 846 OPS this season at high A. And then you mentioned James Wood, who the Nationals really liked in last year's draft. He ended up following, falling a little bit to the second round, but this is a local kid, went to high school in D.C. before he went to IMG Academy, um, and a guy that the Nationals are familiar with. So they kind of, you know, got a guy that they were really interested in from the start. Yeah, and he was a very heavy overslot selection last year in the second round. Mm-hmm. So really a first-round type of talent, number three prospect currently, In the Padres system, that'll change over, and he will probably be right up there at the top of the Nationals farm system once MLB Pipeline updates their rankings. But James Wood was someone that there were reports that he was the linchpin of this trade Mm -hmm. and someone that the Padres did not want to give away, and they ultimately did maybe when Josh Bell was involved. or We don't know the exact details, but 
that's a player that we probably labeled as the fourth guy we've talked about so far. But again, you could make a case he's the prize of the trade. He's being called the linchpin of the trade, and you could also slot him in as the fourth best prospect that the Nationals got back in this trade. Right, exactly. And James Wood struggled a little bit striking out at IMG, part of the reason that he did fall to the second round in the draft. But when we're talking about um, really big outfielders from IMG, James Wood is 6'7", 240. Wow. Um, so that's a big boy. We thought Elijah um, Green was big. Yeah, so yeah. there might be a little bit of a pattern there. They're going to have two, two outfielders now um, in the national system that are really big guys from IMG. Yeah, and I guess some swing and miss in their game, but definitely very exactly. high ceiling for both guys. I mean, definitely this farm system. I'm very curious to see when MLB Pipeline updates the rankings, maybe in a couple hours here for the Nationals. But I think you're going to be looking at four guys at the very top. Now, obviously, Gore and Abrams have graduated the rankings, so they won't fill into the rankings. But, I mean, once they add Elijah Green to the rankings as well, we're going to see a totally different top five, top ten of the Nationals farm system, which is very exciting. Yeah, exactly. And then the last guy on this list is Jarlin Susana, who the Padres signed in the international market. They signed him out of the Dominican Republic. And this is another big boy at 17 years old, 6'6", 240. So that is another really big guy. He's a three-pitch mix and throws really hard. He's touched 103. Um, and, and he was the best the best ranked pitcher in that in that international signing um class right yeah and only 19 18 years old i think he just turned 19 so 6'6 definitely has a lot of pop to his fastball (laughs) and has a lot of potential there as well i think the overall point here is and we flash the question on the screen right now we encourage comments throughout about did the nats get enough in return for soto and bell that's the question we have if you're watching along on facebook or youtube live with us And it's almost impossible to say yes to that question because Mm -hmm. it's Juan Soto. And like you said, this has never happened. No player as good as Juan Soto has ever been traded at the trade deadline at 23 years old with this much left on his contract. But to the people that say you can't trade Juan Soto, and that's a very easy take to make right now. There's a lot of takes that are going to be out there saying, how do you trade a player that is comparable to Ted Williams? Well, the other thing that you can't do is you also cannot let him walk and get nothing in return. And the question that we don't know the answer to, but obviously the Nationals front office probably had a better gauge of, is were they able to re-sign or extend Mm -hmm. Juan Soto? How close was he in talks and how motivated was he to stay with the Nationals? We know the offer that was reported was rejected and he probably wanted more in terms of an AAV in the $15 million, 400 or 15 years, $440 million offer. But if the Nationals weren't going to likely re-sign Juan Soto, now is the time to trade him. And while the haul is probably doesn't seem like enough, this was the best the Nationals were going to do in terms of a haul for Juan Soto right now. Right. There were every team that was in on Juan Soto were teams that had really deep farm systems. We know that, but it took a team that was willing to give up their top prospects for a deal with Juan Soto and the Padres were willing to do that. And this is a really um, highly ranked farm system. And you got their number, the number one prospect, third prospect and 14th ranked prospects. So that's kind of all you can go off now um, at this point. And like we always say after these big trades is it's going to take a few years to see 
kind of who ends up on the right side of this trade. But you know it has to work out for both teams. And the Nationals weren't going to deal Juan Soto unless they thought it was enough. And I think that Josh Bell might have given them that extra push, the same thing we talked about with Scherzer and Turner last year, that mm -hmm. extra push to get what they wanted in return. Yeah, and I think the way this year has gone, it's been a little eye-opening from a perspective of you have – Juan Soto, you have Josh Bell playing well, and your team is still the worst record in baseball right now. So I think what we're learning is the Nationals maybe are a little bit further away than we thought at the start of the year from mm -hmm. being competitive. And the question becomes, could they have gotten to be in a playoff roster with Juan Soto in the contract window that he has here? And it's tough to say, obviously. We don't have a magic eight ball in front of us that gives us that answer, but... The Nationals needed probably more in their farm system, and they need their prospects to develop quicker. They have some nice pieces that they got from the Dodgers last year. Luis Garcia has been hitting well, but ultimately I think this year has proved that Juan Soto is an unbelievable player, a rare talent, but even having him, and he's having an okay all-star season, okay for his standards, he's right. been hitting better of late, even with him performing at a high level and having him and Josh Bell performing at a high level, they're still very far exactly. off from fielding a competitive roster right now. So if you're not going to get to a playoff roster in the Juan Soto contract window, then you have to make the decision, which is a very tough decision to trade him. And you kind of have to do it now because you want to get the most out of it that you possibly can. And that's why it had to be a team where Juan Soto, you know, by himself was enough to or in this case, Juan Soto and Josh Bell was enough to push them over the top and make them competitive in the playoffs. And that's why Juan Soto is so much more valuable now when you get another playoff run out of him than he would have been trading him in the offseason. Right. And it's impossible, right, to say, well, Juan Soto, if you still like you, every, it's easy to make the case you should never trade Juan Soto because he's 23 and everything. And we know the pedigree that he has there. But I think you can make a legitimate case that the Nationals are better equipped to be good three, four years from now after making this trade, right. which is ultimately what they need to be focusing on. It's the thing that fans don't want to focus on because it feels so far away right now, but you need to be viewing the long-term viewpoint of this trade and keeping Juan Soto and trading him when he's closer to the deadline and not getting as much for him means that you probably wouldn't have maximized what you have in Juan Soto. And I know it's especially tough because this is another player that the Nationals have had in their system. They've developed. He's been an all-star caliber player, and they've traded him. And it's hard to quantify why are they trading him for players that aren't going to give you much for a while but it gives them a boost to their farm system, and it's the biggest haul that right. we've ever seen at a trade deadline. And going, according to Fangrass, from 24th rank to 8th yeah. is a really big jump. And right. You, they wouldn't have been able to do that in, you know, they'd do that in half the time because of this trade. Um, and I just, I think it's a combination between wants not being competitive in the next two years and his keeping Juan Soto really worth it if you're not going to be competitive within the next two years a combination of both that and I think it's fair to say that the Nationals might have really made what they thought was their best offer on Juan Soto and they right. really had a feeling that in two and a half years they were not going to be able to get that deal done to sign him long term so I think it's a combination of both of those things that really make it worth it and could make the Nationals competitive in half the time like you said three or four years could be a real realistic time timeline yeah and again we don't know how close Juan Soto was to re-signing with the Nationals or how motivated he was to sign a deal with the Nationals 
two months ago, it seemed like he was in the long-term plans for sure. And Mike Rizzo said stuff publicly that they are not planning to trade Juan Soto. That kind of feels silly to look back on, but things changed rather quickly. And I feel like the way this season went, coupled with just how the trade news came out and Juan Soto thought that maybe the Nationals did it. Now, Mike Rizzo has been adamant that they did not leak that information because it wouldn't have benefited them in any way. But given kind of how the season has gone, it feels like a deal and the motivation for Juan Soto to extend with the Nationals went down. And then you have to make the tough decision of, okay, if we're never going to agree on terms, even if we gave him a figure that is way more than what we offered in the reported deal, then you have to try to maximize what you get out of him. And they've made the tough decision of doing that now, which is the right decision. Because if you are going to trade him, you trade him now when he has three postseasons of value versus waiting when his value goes down. Right, and that's why I bring up that last contract offer and the the reality of probably not being able to sign him in two and a half years because that's when it seemed things really seemed to spiral kind of out of control. That's when all the trade talks, you know, started. And really before that, I think the Nationals kind of had an idea that this rebuild was going to be a bit longer than they thought. And they had a realistic idea of how the season was going. But before that last offer and Juan Soto turning that down and before that got leaked, you didn't hear anything about trade talks and maybe that's just because it was kept private and that's just how you know the the media cycle started or maybe that was really their best offer their last offer and that's when they decided to go forth in trade conversations yeah it's it's really hard to wrap your head around because again it's another star player that has left and you feel like you maybe didn't get the reward that you should have but Juan Soto was a big part of the World Series championship run of course and again, now is the time to trade him if you feel like you couldn't extend him. And I think that's mm-hmm. the hard decision that they came to in the past couple of weeks, and they've realized that it's probably not going to ever get to a point where Juan Soto would extend for a contract that is agreeable on both sides. And this is just speculation. I mean, who knows? But it feels like if you come to that realization, you really only have one option, and that is to trade him. And it's never going to feel like you got enough back for him, but this is also the greatest haul ever at the trade deadline so when you factor in that it's Juan Soto it doesn't feel like it's enough but this is an astronomical haul that the Nationals have received right we don't want to minimize what the Nationals are getting back in this deal because these are five really solid players I mean Mackenzie Gore who was once ranked the top pitching prospect in all of baseball I know things have kind of cooled off there but that's still a really solid guy that you can develop a little bit more and he could be a part of your rotation long term or like the Padres did, you know, moved him to the bullpen. And then you have C.J. Abrams, another major league ready player. We knew that some level, some amount of major league ready level players were going to come back in this deal. They just have to with the quality you're getting in in a player like Juan Soto. And then Josh Bell coupled in that deal. And then you have their first ranked prospect, third and number 14. Right. And these guys now become part of the future with the Nationals, which is weird to think that the future doesn't include Juan Soto and it doesn't include Trey Turner anymore and all those things, but Mackenzie Gore's an outstanding pitching prospect. Josiah Gray came over at the deadline last year. Kbert Ruiz came over at the deadline last year. You've got Luis Garcia. You couple that with C.J. Abrams, and now you're starting to build. I mean, that's five or six guys I just named right there that are all exciting young players that are controllable for a while and could be kind of the new core here for the Nationals. And I think an important thing for fans to remember is 
as much as you might not want Wanzo to have been traded and as much as you would have loved to see him play here for the next two seasons, imagine he's here for two more years where the Nationals aren't competitive at all, finished last in the division, and then Juan Soto walks. It's like, and you get nothing in return. Right. And Which you, they wouldn't have let happen, but yes, right. that, but that's you, an important you know, point. Yeah. yeah, say, or or you deal him in two years at the deadline, you know. He wouldn't have had the value, wouldn't have gotten much back. I mean, you would have got something yeah, back, but sure. not this much. And, you know, what's the right. point? What's the point? But now you've boosted your farm system and you could be competitive even sooner. And this is the best way to do it at the trade deadline when you're a team trying to be rebuild. This is the quickest way to do it. Yeah, and I think a couple other interesting things with making the decision to do it at the trade deadline is teams are desperate right now and teams are sort of more willing to make a move because they understand mm -hmm. what position they are in the standings. You look at the Padres, they've wanted to be a World Series contender for a while. We know that Preller has had a lot of passion for getting stars into the Padres, and it, it's unfathomable to think about what their lineup is now, which is a whole mm -hmm. separate topic because they also added Josh Bell, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to come back. I mean, they're playing great baseball, and they're going to add Tatis, Soto, and Bell to their lineup when you consider that Tatis is coming back from injury. But sticking with kind of what it means for the Nationals, when you make a deal like this at the deadline, yes, you're going to get more already because Juan Soto has an extra postseason versus waiting in the offseason. But also I think teams are more willing to kind of add in that one extra player because there isn't a deadline built into it. And they realize, all right, we're either getting Juan Soto now or we don't have him for this postseason run, which could be a World Series one run for the Padres. So I think because they did it at the deadline, too, that makes more sense than waiting in the offseason when teams are a little bit less desperate to make a move. Right, and you also mentioned them. they also got Josh Hader and Sancho yes. Musgrove uh, <laughs> to an extension. So, so they're making moves, and we've seen the Padres make a lot of big moves, make a big splash like this before. And, yeah, it all comes down to that extra – playoff run you know you're not going to get they probably got like a little bit more just because they have Juan Soto for three post seasons and that's really important and that's why the Nationals got so much in return yeah and again I think this trade makes the Nationals in a better situation than they were before the trade mm -hmm. for three four years from now it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be as good as they might have been if they had Juan Soto next year but and that's a tough thing to swallow but still you have to be looking at the long-term future because given kind of where the farm system was at, even despite making the trades at the deadline last year, I think this signifies that Mike Rizzo now understands, okay, we're shipping off one Soto, we're getting as much as we can from that, and we're going all the way in on a rebuild now versus exactly. maybe you could have viewed last year as, okay, they're retooling a little bit and they're getting rid of some players. Now this is very clearly, okay, we're making a trade, and how can we get in a better position for three, four years from now? Which is what you have to do when you're in this position that the Nationals are in. Yeah, it's kind of tough because from the fan perspective before you could say, oh, we signed straws, let Rendon, Rendon go. Okay, mm -hmm. you can kind of live with that, see how that works out. And then last year, trading Scherzer and Turner, okay, well, maybe in you know two seasons we'll be competitive again. Now it's kind of like full-blown rebuild. So that's kind of a hard pill to swallow, I think, for some fans who are a little bit more optimistic. But it also does 
quicken this rebuild. And I think that's the really important part to remember. Well, put it this way. If option one was trade Juan Soto now and start the rebuild now, or option two was wait and then trade Juan Soto when he can get you less in return. Mm -hmm. And maybe you trade him, I don't know, two deadlines from now, a couple years. And maybe you, you might have been a little bit better in the interim years. But I think we both agree that even if they had Juan Soto playing at an incredibly high level like he normally plays at for the next two years, they probably aren't a playoff roster in the next two seasons with Juan Soto. So you make the decision to do it now. Basically, if, if you know that you're not going to re-sign or extend Juan Soto and you're picking between option one of trading him now and option two of waiting, the clear... Exactly. easy one is option one there yeah exactly i mean and all you get realistically as bad as it might sound is you get to see juan soto for you know another season or two yeah. more seasons but we saw this year that a juan soto cannot change an entire team we can see it the nationals look at the angels too yeah, that's exactly. another example yeah exactly it takes a lot of pieces to make a competitive team and Juan Soto is not going to get it done himself. So I think this makes the most sense. We still have three hours left before the trade deadline. And there's still some other names that the Nationals could trade, mostly out of their bullpen. Names like Carl Edwards Jr., Kyle Finnegan, um, Steve, Steve Cushak. Yep. All names that the Nationals could get you know, some, guys, some more guys back for. Yeah, and I think Nelson Cruz is another mm -hmm. logical one that we could see on the block as well. Kyle Finnegan there. So, yeah, there's probably going to be more moves to come, which is kind of crazy because it's hard enough to wrap your head around what just happened with Juan Soto and Josh Bell. But I do think the Nationals will probably be aggressive from this point on. And this this is big. I mean, they need to capitalize on trade deadlines and getting prospects back as much as possible because, like you said, they fully entered the rebuild mode now. And this is the time to do it. Right. Unfortunately, there's part of it where Mike Rizzo will always be known as the guy who traded Juan Soto. But on the other hand, in three years, that might be a really good thing. And you're going to see some of these guys up competing with the major league team. And it could be remembered as a really great trade working out for both teams. Yes. It, you have to have patience, which is a very hard thing for fans to have right now, especially given losing Juan Soto and just how much fun it is to watch Juan Soto play baseball, let alone how impactful he is to a roster. But even again, even if Juan Soto was on the team next year and the year after that, and even if the prospects had a great run and, and the nationals were trending upwards and made some great signings, it's not like they would become a World Series contender in the window of Juan Soto's remaining exactly. contract. Yep, exactly. So we're going to hear from Mike Rizzo in just a little bit. The media will. Bobby Blanco's down in Nationals Park. He'll be in the clubhouse. So kind of get a feel for what the clubhouse is. Life after Josh Bell and most importantly, life after Juan Soto. Still, So still a lot to look forward to. Three hours left until the 6 p.m. Eastern time deadline. So make sure you keep refreshing Twitter. We'll have you covered here. Mark Zuckerman has you covered on MassInSports.com. Is there anything else, Tim? <laughs> Just a deep breath. <laughs> it's been a wild day. And the dust, like, the dust might have kind of settled on this tree, but there's so much more to come. I know. There's, there's going to be more, which is crazy. It feels like we need two days to comprehend this one right. before more trades can happen. But, yes, keep it locked to our social pages and yeah. everything because I'm sure this is not the end of it for today, right. probably. So just stick with this team. 
Um, and you never know what Mike Rizzo might have <laughs> up his sleeve. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mass and All Access podcast. You can find this on all of our favorite podcast forms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of that good stuff. Um, for Ten Leonard, I'm Amy Jennings, and thanks for tuning in.